Hey there, you bunch of legends. Welcome back, the film Virgin, episode 23. How the heck are you? Miles here, I'm doing pretty bloody good. No complaints. June started and the sun's been out a heap. It's been lovely. The Cricket World Cup's on. I'm sure you're all following that closely. I tell you, I'm going to be watching a lot of cricket over the next few months. If the uh, podcast productivity wanes, that's why. So episode 23, I've got a brand new guest. I'm joined by my good mate, Charlie Ross, the one and only Big Chaz. Charlie's a uh, teacher by trade, but he's also a writer, comedian, actor, to name but a few of his talents. He's a real uh, jack-of-all-trades, I guess, or at least the, uh, those specific trades that I've mentioned. He's a master of them, too. He's a jack and a master of those trades. I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure I quite understand that expression. So Charlie joined me for my first ever viewing of Monty Python's Life of Brian, which is a comedy classic that I'd always heard of, <laughs> but never watched. Charlie's, a, uh, Charlie's actually a huge fan of the James Bond film franchise, and I think he came over thinking we were going to watch one of those, but I snuck in a bit of Monty Python's instead. But he was up for it. And up to the task. I was very keen to get Charlie on the podcast. He's a uh, he has a real sort of uh, lust for life, I guess, and he's I always find his enthusiasm quite infectious. So I hope you do too. I think he did a heck of a good job, as you'll soon hear for yourself. So without further ado, here's me and Charlie watching Monty Python's Life of Brian. I'll talk to you at the end. Enjoy. Say something, Charlie. Hello, it's Charlie. It's How are you? Oh, that's a good start. <laughs> Hello, Charlie. Welcome to the film Virgin. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Fantastic to be here. I know we've tried to do it for a while, so it's I good know. to finally get it done. Our it's people, yeah. my people were getting in touch with your people. Yes, exactly. There's been a lot out. of that going on, you know, we're talking about a project that would maybe turn into an, an idea and then manifest yeah. it into something better. You yeah, know? I, so, thought I, had an, yeah, I thought I had an idea and it turns out it yeah. wasn't an idea. Yeah. We're now riffing Woody Allen. Yeah, it wasn't even a thought. <laughs> <laughs> we have such little thoughts. Yeah. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Yes, been very busy. Um, and a, obviously, you know, the teaching, but also I've been writing at the moment and, you know, I've been working on a musical for yes. a while and that's about to come to fruition. Um, we're getting a production next year. Fantastic. Pretty cool. Uh, Tainted. Be, yes, but it's not going to be called that it's anymore. Not, okay, change, change Yeah, the for those who don't know, it's a musical using the work of Mark Almond. And uh, Mark, I think, is, uh, he lo- uh, when, when he saw the, the showcase we did, he really liked it. But the one thing they complained about, or not complained, but said that they, they didn't want to use Tainted as a title, so we've got to come up with a new one. Okay. Basically, because he doesn't want to be associated. All these years, he's been associated with a song he didn't write. Yes. <laughs> you know, Tainted so, Love. Yeah, yes. and it's okay. fair enough when you think that, yeah. uh, you know, he probably, I think he just wants to distance himself a little bit from that so that's fine um, and that's going into production next year but I mean I, it's all still very much in the pre-contract stage so there's not too much I can say but uh, okay. um, it's it's 95 98% going to happen and so. it's so 
it's going to be like a real life sort of story with the music of no Arkham. it's a completely standalone story in the same way it's not like Mamma Mia but in the same way as Mamma Mia okay. it's a brand new story using songs that Mark's written so um, we've uh, we've written this storyline it's a kind of epic tale that spans uh, three generations from the 40s to the 70s to the 80s and okay. characters in each era that are all interlinked. And it's incredibly ambitious for the theatre oh, because wow. time jumps are difficult to do on stage. Yeah. Easy to do on film, but difficult to do on stage. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny, every director we've spoken to has just their eyes have sort of, you know, gone gaga at the thought of the challenge of thinking yeah. that directors love a challenge. They like the idea that, you know, yes, I could really do something with this. So, um, and we jump around and there's, we, you know, we go between the time zones all the time. It's not done chronologically, which is even more difficult. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been fascinating because my background in writing has mostly been TV and film. And to work for theatre is, is different because you, you have to consider that. You have to consider a smaller space. You have to consider limited cast. You have to consider things like lighting and how you can be creative about using lighting and costume to, to have a, a big dramatic effect. So, um, you know, for example, changing a time zone, we think at the moment could be something as simple as a change of lighting and someone putting a coat on, you know, yeah. and that's all of a sudden you're 1945. Sure. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's been an interesting process. Cool. And it's very exciting. Because suddenly I was leaving showbiz about six years ago and then got dragged back into it again. So this oh, has kind of right. pulled me back into it. You're like the um, godfather. Yeah, it's like the mafia. You never get yeah. to leave. You <laughs> never get to leave. Um, but yeah, and also during the day, doing the day job, teaching the kids and um, having a lot of fun and frustration with that, which is cool. what a day in the yeah. school is. It's, yeah. it's laughter and tears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a huge fan of Mamma Mia. So my advice for your musical would be try and cast Colin Firth. Okay, cool. For Let's me, do that. he is the absolute highlight <laughs> of that film. Um, are you being genuine when you say you're a huge fan of Mamma Mia? Or are you I, being well, I watched it on this podcast, actually, right, and okay. I really enjoyed it. I think it's great, and I think Mamma Mia 2 is great as well. Well, I look forward to watching Mamma Mia 2. No, I'm, yeah. like, if you listen to my podcast, I really right. enjoyed it. Let's have a collective tea sip here. Yeah. We should do Mamma Mia 2 together. Maybe we'll do that one. I'm up one. for it. I'm up for it. Um, yeah, it's funny you talked about God, The Godfather because Mamma Mia 2 basically does what The Godfather Part 2 does. Oh, really? It, it goes back in time and it shows these characters when they were younger and how they all met ah, and how she course. met those men when they were of the younger versions. Does. But does so, it just use the same songs as the first no, one? No, it used a lot of ABBA songs that weren't used in the first one because there's still okay. quite a number of hits that weren't yeah, used. They have um, a few, didn't it they? bizarrely gets Waterloo into the narrative, which is you'd think, how could you ever get that into any kind of story? But it Jeez, does. It goes a long way back, kind, doesn't yeah, it? <laughs> and they kind of make it work. And uh, but they do reuse a couple of the big numbers as well. You know, I won't spoil it for you, but okay. there's a couple. Of, they revisit a few ones that you've got to use to get you've yourself got to have clapping and dancing. And yeah, again, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's got to be there. So. Um, and done very well. And it's just, it's utter joy from start to finish. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's unashamed, unabashed joy. And, and why not? And when we're living in an age where there's so much negativity going on, it's good to have something that's just, a, just a, you know, just go for it and relax and have a laugh and yeah. a little bit of a cry and, um, and just, you know, disappear. And I think it's why probably fantasy and stuff like that is so popular just now because people are, are just... They're browbeaten. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we are we are certainly um, under the cosh at the moment. So just yeah. go to the cinema just to feel... And things like Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocketman, all these biopics that are going on. Again, that's just to get these songs that we love, that we can get that feel-good factor mm -hmm. in there and have a bit of 
heft in terms of a story as well. Even so, in the second life as yeah. well, I guess those songs. Exactly, yeah. I mean, sure, the, the Queen's, the, old, the already burgeoning bank balance of <laughs> Brian May is... Uh, he's doing okay, <laughs> yeah. he, isn't he? Yeah. I don't think he needs to, to take it alone anytime soon. I think he's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, thank God for ABBA. Yeah. Um, I, I've recently, and I imagine it's something that you're quite into... In the last couple of years, I've really gotten into Eurovision in a in a big way. Are you a fan? Because we just had was it last uh, yeah, week? Yeah, I had Eurovision. We had it last Saturday, and I was uh, I was at a party. I was a Eurovision party, which I tend to go to every year. I've got a few friends. Unsurprisingly, I've got a few friends that have Eurovision parties uh-huh, every year. Right. I try. I rotate around. That's your crowd. Uh, yeah, that's my thing. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan. I'm, I do love all the old classic Eurovision songs. I do have a Eurovision playlist on my phone, Naturally. and I go. I love going back to the old uh, making your mind up and. Uh, save your kisses for me and stuff right. like that. You know they're they're great, and and Eurovision itself is is just a laugh, and it's it's just odd how Britain just can't seem to. I I don't think it matters. I think if 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 Britain put up a song by Elton John, it would still come certainly, last. Certainly, that think guy didn't deserve to come last. No, he not certainly at all. was nowhere near the best either. But yeah. he didn't deserve to come last. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think. Uh, I think it's got a lot to do with a lot of other things. There are many, many other factors coming into play, <laughs> which is a shame because it shouldn't do that. But every year you always get Albania giving Greece 12 points and Greece giving Albania yeah. 12 points and, um, you know, countries looking after each other and it's, it's all backhand stuff. It's so bizarre because aren't they supposed to be like professional judges? Yeah. Like, yeah aside and, from the public vote. And then you've also got the people's vote, which comes in at the end as well. Um uh, oh God! I said the words "people's vote." We should keep that out of it, shouldn't we? Yeah, let's no, it's say. okay. I've yeah. already I've spoken affirmatively <laughs> about the people's vote on this podcast before. Um, but uh, but yeah. So then they have the people's vote, which comes in and changes all the the rules and changes all the the scores. And um, that's only been running for a couple of years, actually, because people were getting tired of the judges thing of just judges unashamedly giving appro- right. appropriate scores to countries that they they, they favoured rather than the the best song. Um, but the song that won this year was an absolute dirge. You, you didn't know. like it. It was. No. It wasn't. It was a Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a dirge. A Dutch dirge. <laughs> and it was. Um, and I, yeah, I'm convinced if if the British the British guy sang the exact same song in the same style as the Dutch song, it would still have been last. Oh, that, I mean, that's uh, uh, unquestionably. Yeah. 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 Uh, my biggest issue with the winner was. He was too big for the piano he was playing. He was like a giant. Couldn't they have just got like a different size seat or something? Yeah. And then he never got up off the seat. Yeah, like just performance-wise, everyone yep. else. There probably wasn't a, actually the was it Slovenia or Slovakia with the two young people. They just stood in, next to each other and like touched each That's other right. every now and then. That was the worst. <laughs> yeah. But There's... the Dutch guy, I just wanted him to stand up. Well, it's odd because. The performance has almost become as big a thing as the song now. Yeah. So putting on the show uh, is is almost part of the whole process, which it never used to be. And it, it, judges were always told to to judge on the song's merits itself and not what you see and not what the gimmicks that are, are done on stage. But that seems to have changed. And given that it was the most low key performance of the whole night, that yeah. won it, you know. But Australia are doing it, and yeah. uh, I, you know, I mean, I was into that Australian performance. It was yeah. out there, but well, I enjoyed it. There's been a lot of talk about what Australia would actually do if they won it, because. Mm. A lot of countries, quite simply, couldn't afford to get out there, you know, to, to yeah. host it. So I think that the the idea is that Australia would get I to pick a country. they'd do it in a European and country. probably do yeah. it. They're, well, they'd probably do it in Britain to piss everyone off, oh, wouldn't yeah, they? You know, of course come. they would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you're a Commonwealth country, of course that's going to happen, yeah. you know, so it would be at the O2. But, uh, 
Um, yeah, it'd be interesting if Australia won it. And it's great that they're in it. So it's true, it must be a big thing in Australia. It's huge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never quite realised. I mean, I know there were films like Muriel's Wedding used ABBA's music and um, a lot of the films like Strictly, uh, like, uh, Strictly Ballroom, stuff like that, yeah. had that kind of Eurovision yeah. kitsch feel to it. So obviously that's in the same kind of ballpark as that, yeah? Yeah. You're off to the theatre this evening? I am. I'm going to see All My Sons, the Arthur All Miller play sons. with Jenna okay. Coleman. Yes, so... Um, that, uh, that should be quite interesting. I, I'm always up and down with Arthur Miller. I, I remember studying some Arthur Miller at school uh, and not being as overwhelmed by it as people were right. telling me I should be. But maybe it's one of these things when you come to it as an adult, you, you change your yeah. perspective. You know, I remember seeing a film, uh, a musical, there's a famous musical from the 60s called Oh, What a Lovely War, which is about the First World War, using all the war songs like, you know, um, uh, Pack Up Your Troubles, you know, Kit Bag and stuff like that. I remember seeing it as a kid and thinking it was utter rank. I think this is just <laughs> awful. 20 years later, I watched it and it's genius. It's really? absolutely brilliant. Okay. So I think sometimes, and this, you know, interesting for this podcast, that I think film, particularly sometimes, you, you, you have to watch some films from a, a more mature or yeah. having lived a bit of a life to yeah. get it, you know, to understand what they were trying to do. And I think that's the case. And it might be the case with Arthur Miller. So we'll see what happens tonight. Yeah, mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. It's good to go to the theatre. It's good to get it. It's the old Vic as well. You know, it's culture. Yeah. Old Vic. Yeah, nice. the old Vic's right. a nice place. So that's one of my dream venues for the musical. It'd be great right. if we get a West End transfer of the old Vic. would be fantastic. Yeah. The old Vic's one of these ones that does count as a West End theatre, even though it's not technically in the West End. Right. But it does have a sort of... It gets given a grace as a, as a West End uh, theatre. So you, you're basically you're eligible for things at Olivier's. Get me talking about Olivier's. God, I mean, have you prepared your speech? <laughs> I wrote my speech when I was seven. <laughs> my Oscar speech was not long after oh, that. God, yeah, I think I was writing Oscar speeches in my... Yeah, in you're my kidding me on, I've had, I've got ten Oscar speeches. Yeah, right. One for every award I'm going to win on the same night, you know, like Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actor, uh, Best Actress. Um, <laughs> the whole lot, you know, it's like... What a night you've had, Charlie. Yeah, I know. I never saw this coming. God, and then I start thinking, who am I going to talk to at the after party? Yeah, yeah. What party do I want to go to? Well, you want to go to Elton John's, don't you? That's well, it. His yeah. is the, the one that everyone wants to get to. Um, and the Vanity Fair one is the other one that everyone goes to. We could have sort of split the time between the two. We could have, yeah, yeah. I've been in LA at the time of the Oscars. It is quite exciting. And I've, I've stood about five feet from the red carpet because there was two days before they were all setting it up and they had a little fence... Um, at the, the, well, I don't know, I can't remember what it was called now, it was the Kodak Theatre then, and I can't remember what they renamed it. Um, so I've been so close to the red carpet, I could almost touch it. Um, and I, I nearly got a gig, a great gig, because my friend um, works for the Oscars. She did the, the online show, she produced the online show. So she called me up when I was in LA and she said, Are, are you a member of the Actors Guild over here? And I was like, no, I'm UK Equity. I'm not a member of the Actors Guild. She said, oh, shit. I possibly could have got you a gig being someone at the rehearsal. So they, they employ actors oh, really? okay. to be George Clooney yeah, 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 at yeah. The re- or be whoever it is. And who do you were, think you would have been best at oh, being? Oh, who would I, I Oh, well, that's a different thing. Who would I have been best at being? I would wanted to probably have been someone like George Clooney. But who would I be best at being? I, I think mean, I could see you as Richard Gere. People have said that to me in the past. Go. I'm nowhere near as good looking as Richard Gere, but people have said, I think I have, the, I have those squashy eyes when yeah, I smile. Are, yeah. So maybe Richard Gere, yeah. I haven't got as much grey hair as he has. It's getting there. It's getting there, It yeah. is kicking well, in. Do you know what? Maybe go back again in a few years' time. Maybe, yeah, and make sure I join the Actors Guild of America yeah, exactly, before I go, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, get in there. Hey, I've got one uh, last important question <laughs> for you before I tell you what film we're going to watch. 
about musicals, mm-hmm. what do you think of the film Grease? I love the film Grease. Good. I queued up to see it when I was a kid um, and did that bizarre thing that we used to do in the, in the old days where the queue, you, you couldn't book tickets in advance. You just have to turn up to the cinema and get your tickets. So it was queued around the block and we were late getting in. So we get in about 15 minutes into the movie. But what you could do back then was just stay to watch the first 15 minutes of the next showing. Okay. So, yeah. so my mum yeah. actually kept said, let's just stay and watch this. So we watched the first 15 minutes, they walked out halfway right. through summer nights. Right, this is where we come in, come on. <laughs> you know? That's so funny. I like <laughs> the <know>? idea of, <laughs> yeah, just watching a whole film and then needing to watch the start and again go, oh, that's <laughs> No, it all makes sense oh, now. No wonder she was annoyed with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just surreal. And, uh, you know, I was going to say, why don't we just watch it again? No, we're not doing that. We've done it. That's it. You've oh, seen the whole film. Come on. <laughs> you know? That's amazing. Um, my dad took me to see uh, Star Wars. And, again, we talk about a different generation that these days he'd probably get social services on to him. Uh, he told the... Uh, he thought it was rubbish. And I was 10, and he told the uh, usher in the cinema to keep an eye on me and went to the pub across the road. Wow. <laughs> Come back and got me. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know... Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> different times. Yeah. Different times, oh, yeah. Well, different I times, mean, different generations. I was fine. Yeah. I was engrossed in the movie. I didn't really care. You know, yeah. it's uh, just, just watched it, so that was fine. Probably enjoyed <laughs> it more without him there. Well, do you want to know what we're going to watch yes. this afternoon? Yeah. It's a film that I think it's kind of surprising that I haven't seen it. Uh, you might see why, uh, but I believe it's a film that is important to you or a film that you know and love at okay. the very least. Yeah. I hope so. I'll just tell you, the film we're going to watch is Life of Brian. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. The thing is, I, I probably know every line in this, okay. but, but it'll be good to watch because I haven't watched it in a few years and I bet that I don't know it as well as I think okay, I do. Okay, good. Because there are these drinking games where you try to get... as we, When I was in university, we tried to get through as much of Life and Brian as we could where someone had a copy of the script. So we would sit and do it and act it out so you try and remember the next line because oh, we all thought we knew it and we got very pissed by the end because okay. we didn't know it anywhere near right. as much. And then we'd all attempt to watch it. So what, it, was, it was drink every time you got a line Got wrong. a line wrong, wow, yeah. Wow, okay, yeah. yeah. So, I've uh, somehow managed to get through life Without watching much How Monty is that Python's possible? at all, that's but I'm amazing. a huge Faulty Towers fan. Right, like that's one of my favourite TV shows of all time. But yeah, I just and I'm a sketch comedian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, I just don't know how it's even by accident in the especially the circles you move in. Yeah, and the people you know and people who are your friends. So yeah. uh, how you've missed it is beyond me. But then again, as I say, now that I think about it, it's been quite a while since I've seen it. Okay. And I've been meaning to watch it for a while. So this is good, this is great. Okay. I'm quite excited now because I've been meaning to watch it for a while. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch it again and see. I mean, I, I know every scene. Yeah. And because and there's one scene in particular, which we'll talk about later, which is kind of I use in my job, I use in teaching. Because, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But, but we'll come to that okay, later. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. Well, I, I mean, it's not really a film that I can predict the plot so much. I don't think it's a satire of sort of yeah. Jesus, right? Yes, is that, yeah. so, that's exactly it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the, the, you know the plot. Yeah. You know the story. Yeah. You know. But instead of being about Jesus, it's about a guy named Brian. Yes. I presume. Yeah. Um, so it, it's basically working on the premise that, that around about that time, everyone was a Messiah. Everyone was claiming to be the the the, the, the Son of God, and uh, it's just 
building on the idea of what if someone accidentally was mistaken for a messiah and it was okay. just an ordinary guy called Brian. There you, know? you go. Yeah. yeah. So okay. That's it. And I mean, it still happens today. Now there's a guy named mm. Elron. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it yeah. is just, a, yeah. it's, it's as logical as someone called Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, this is good. Okay. I'm excited. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's watch Life of Brian. Let's do it. Okay. Fantastic. safe to walk in the streets at night now, Reg. Yeah, they certainly like to keep order. Let's face it, the only ones who could in a place like this. <laughs> All right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system and public health, what have the Romans ever done for us? Brought peace. Oh, peace. Shut up. All right, life of Brian. So far, so good. Is there anything in it that although you hadn't seen it, that you knew of? Like, there are a couple of famous lines. Yeah, the bit at the start, or not at the very start, but where Jesus is preaching on the yeah. hilltop and they're yeah. at the, the back and the yeah. the speak up or whatever, yeah. That's, that, yeah. that definitely rung a bell. Yeah. And, and obviously, what have the Romans ever done for us? Have you, yeah. you must have heard that phrase, because yeah. that's where, that actually, there was a TV show recently called that, right. uh, which looked at um, at that exact thing with the, what Roman life and Roman cult influence and culture and across Europe. Um, so these things, I think that's the, the sign of a film that, that or, or anything in culture that is, you know it's made it when it's, it's kind of seeped into... Uh, into a cultural sort of zeitgeist, if you like, yep. without having seen it, you, yep. you know the phrase, what have the Romans ever done for us? And yep. that comes from that. You know, it's uh, um, a bit like, you know, may the force be with you. If you've never seen Star Wars, you still, you still know it's from that. Star Wars. Yeah, so I think there are a few things in this film that have that. And that's, I think that's why it has the status it does, you know, because it has kind of, it's, it's seeped into the very culture of, of, of what, we, what we know and love. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so you, you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. It's funny stuff. Yeah, it is. It's, it's sharp and it's good. And the, it's funny that we're, the, the bit in the middle where they go for the the attack in the Roman palace does slow it down a bit. It comes kind of out of nowhere because the pace up to that point is very snap, snap, snap. Dialogue, yeah. dialogue, dialogue. Yeah. Lots of stuff going on, and then it kind of stops dead it's kind a of little in the bit. Name of a plot, isn't it? Yeah, they're trying to, to force yeah. some kind of plot in yeah. there, but it's not really necessary because it had just been sort of sketches basically up to that. Yeah, or just little bits. Yeah. Like the, I thought it was very funny. The leper that's being cured by Jesus, who now doesn't have a livelihood because he was a beggar as a leper. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And obviously, things that resonate with today, with all the the Judean people's front, the people's front of Judea, and we've yeah. got the Brexit party and the Change oh, yeah. party and yeah. UKIP and all this stuff going on. It's like can't keep up. Exactly. Um, yeah. And you know, you, you have parties like Brexit and UKIP that are supposed to be. Speaking with the same voice, but why have you got two yeah, different parties? You know, they, yes, exactly. Um, so these different groups hate each other. And yeah, like, yeah. Even though they have the same uh, ambition, <laughs> pretty um, much the same names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Brian's just joined the People's Front, Front of Judea. Yes. Judea, yeah. Uh, which is the group that plotted this Attack. plan yep. on the palace. That's right. Uh, and we've just stopped it after Brian has been captured yes. by the Romans. But yes, as we say, this is sort of the first bit of, of plot uh -huh. to, to yeah. lead a story further. It, it really is. And obviously there's the kind of subtext of a love story where he obviously fancies Judas. And that's, but that's kind of why he wants to join the people of Judea because he just wants to get his end away. <laughs> you know, ultimately. Yeah. Um, you know, and we've all done things like that. <laughs> you know, we've all sacrificed some kind of um, something 
something in our conscience just because of someone we fancied, yes, you know. Yeah, yeah. try um, something new. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's funny. What surprises me, and, and it, this surprises me with all good comedy, and Faulty Towers is no exception, that even though I know it, I, I'm surprised at how much I've laughed. I mean, I thought yes. I would have just been kind of smiling loudly yeah. because I know it so well, but actually it's, it's made me laugh, proper laugh out loud a few times, and, and that's, that's testament to how good the writing is, I think. You yeah. Because Folly Towers is the same. You know, it still makes me laugh. I don't know why. I know it inside out, but yeah, it still makes me laugh. I know exactly why what is you that? mean, yeah. You know? The, nothing beats just a, a well-formed yeah. joke or exactly. a, a bit of dialogue. Delivered well, you know? But it's, it's funny how, at the time... A lot of religious movements got so up in arms about it, but it's it's not. In fact, they got up in arms about it, and they said it was offensive and it was blasphemous. And right. It, so yeah. this is what because I've seen sort of footage of I think I mean certainly John Cleese and maybe another member sort of uh, on, an on a debate with yeah. a priest or something. That was a then... famous one. Um, it was John Cleese and Michael Palin in an interview they set up with Malcolm Muggeridge, who was a Christian broadcaster. And I think, uh, not the Archbishop of Canterbury, it wasn't that high, but it was a fairly high mm. bishop in, in the Church of England. And they were talking about how blasphemous the movie was and how it was offensive to people. And, uh, and at one point, John Cleese said to him, have, have you seen it? And they both went, no, I wouldn't watch that. <laughs> it's like, right. how can you possibly comment on it? Yeah. And when you watch it, actually, the character of Jesus is treated pretty respectfully. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it says, there's Jesus. He was doing that. That's the Sermon on the Mount. There it goes. Now we're going to pan away yeah. and have this little silly story about someone else who lived about the time. So what, what are you saying in, in terms of religious people? What are you saying that you can't even tell a story about anyone who lived at the same time as Jesus? Would, even that's offensive, yeah. you know? Get I think that's another. Get back in the seat. <laughs> that's another thing that resonates uh, with today. People love to be offended by things yeah. and stuff that they don't. So, like, people will get offended by a headline. Yes. And they don't read the article. Yeah. So it's exactly. a similar sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Which one is Michael Palin? Uh, Michael Palin's the one that was the ex-leper. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and just the skill and the range of parts they play is is fantastic. You know, it's because. Uh, even, they're not even trying because John Cleese plays Reg and also plays the man who's supervising the stoning yeah. and he's just playing the same character yeah. it's just a different Basically, costume yeah. Yeah. Um, and the only reason we know it's not that character is that he doesn't have a beard and uh, he's dead <laughs> <laughs> you know um, but, which one is your favourite who is your favourite python do you have one well probably John Cleese okay. but in this I love Terry Jones's turn the, Terry Jones as a woman yeah. is hilarious yeah. it always has been hilarious it was hilarious in Monty Python when he did it um, and again we live in a society now where they think well man men dressing up as women you know is, is that offensive no it's not it's silly nonsense <laughs> that's all it is when Terry Jones dresses up as a woman, he's not trying to have a go at women. No. He's just... And most of it's budgetary as well. You know, they're all playing their own parts because they can't afford to hire oh, actors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So and they... it becomes part of the comedy. Yes. Is the fact that you're yeah. seeing the same person. Exactly. Although what I am taken aback by is, is, given that they were in a very tight budget, how ambitious it looks. At mm. times, it actually looks quite impressive. And um, I did spot that, because uh, there, there are no coliseums that are that complete. So there must have been a bit, I think there was a template with a bit of artwork at the top, so they've oh, done right. a bit of touching up. Okay. Um, so uh, Matt, Matt Short, they used to do that, you know, before CGI. So they have touched up some bits. Um and that's probably Terry Gilliam, because he obviously was the art yeah. director. He's able to do that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm impressed by that. And it, I'm also quite pleased and impressed, given that 79 is now 40 years old. So we're watching it at the 40th anniversary. This is quite cool. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, it's 40 years old. I'm really pleased at how well it's 
standing the test yeah. of time, you know, and that you're sitting here watching it 40 years on for the first time, first time and you're laughing, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that's that's good, Goodness you know. Yeah. It is worthy of the status of being one of the best comedies. I think in the list of comedy films recently, it was it was voted, was that, it was, was in it? the top 10, certainly. Okay. Yeah, it was there, uh, it, very, very high. Is it considered better than Holy Grail? I think so, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It's... Um, I, I, I love Holy, Holy Grail, but it is better. It's a more polished script. It's, um, it's a better cut and directed film. It's a better made film. I think they were learning that craft as they were going. I mean, they were pretty much learning on the, on the hoof, and uh, Terry Jones directed them, and he, uh, he was learning his craft as well as he went. So, you know, I think Holy Grail... Holy Grail does dip a little bit towards the end, the whole thing of the going to the cave at the end and the rabbit in the cave, and it does... It does lose something towards it. I think this sustains the this, the quality. Okay. Well, it remains to be seen, but I think this one <laughs> sustains the quality right to the end, which is a problem with a lot of comedy movies. You know, they exactly what you've just said. They get an hour in with lots of comedy, and then yeah. they think, "Oh God, we've got to get a plot. We've got to tie yeah. up a story here," I, and the comedy stops dead. You I know? always find it so disappointing. I hate yeah. plots in comedy yeah, films. I yeah. just want loads of the last bits. half hour, that, yeah. that notorious last half hour. It's like Star Crazy. Have you ever seen Star Crazy with Richard Pryor and Gene I Wilder? No. One hour of the most sublime comedy you'll ever see in a movie, yeah. and then half an hour of just telling and trying to get a story get a done, story. and it's re- it's dull, and you know. Arc, yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it, it it's a shame that. Uh, so that's where this actually has the 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 kudos, I think, of maintaining okay. it and keeping up because it doesn't actually bog itself to, down too much in plot. It doesn't worry too yeah. much about the plot, and that's I think that's maybe the key to comedy writing. Don't worry too much about the plot. Yeah, know? I think the key, yeah, be funny. Yeah, I'd yeah, say. just be funny and advice, don't yeah. have much of a plot. Yeah. Just you know, or, or unless you're going to do something sophisticated. I think a fish called Wanda, which John Cleese made later on, yeah, with Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Klein, that's got a very sophisticated plot, but it's based on fatal farce and it's based on uh, the old caper comedies of Ealing comedy stuff like that. So he he he'd really he, he works a plot really intricately, but he doesn't forget the comedy at any point. Okay. So he sustains that all the way through. So you you can you can make it work, but it's bloody difficult. Yeah, really difficult, you know. And it takes a craftsman like John Cleese, who dots every I and crosses every T, you know, and, and goes oh, back yeah. over things. And all that. apparently, when Cleese would writes, I mean, he wrote Faulty Towers, just went over and over and over, tightening and tightening and okay, tightening yeah. things, you know. So. Um, you can tell I, by that dialogue. And well, what Fawlty Fault, Towers is, is pretty um, infamous for, in a sense that uh, um, at the time BBC schedules were very tight, and this is the beauty of Netflix. TV programs don't have to follow a schedule anymore. So you've got things like the Kaminsky Method, where some episodes are twenty-two minutes long and some are thirty minutes long, and some episodes of Fawlty Towers ran at thirty-three minutes. And Cleese just dug his heels in and said, "No, that's got to be thirty-three minutes. Right. I'm not cutting it down. Okay. You have to figure out something to do with your schedule. If you want to see it, you got to. That's what it is. It's thirty-three Amazing. minutes, and some were twenty-eight minutes. They were as long as they had to be yeah. um, for the show to work. And he says, if I take three minutes out of this, it won't make sense. Uh, it's that lean, mm. you know. It's mm. that tight. So um, I've worked this to the point that that's what it's got to be. And the BBC just had to figure something out. You know, they had to cut the next show a little bit, and, yeah. or you know, schedule it in a different way. Amazing. Yeah, it was worth it. Oh well, when you're a genius writer like that, <laughs> you can you can make those demands, can't you? Yeah. You know, it's easy to do that. Well, as you'd well know. Uh, oh, I wish. <laughs> how are you? Uh, how are you finding your own performance so far? Your memory. Uh, the, you see, there's a few bits where you do jump little bits, like um, when he says he's selling the ocelot spleens, and uh, 
he, I thought he went straight to, we don't want any of that Roman imperialist rubbish, but he says, don't give me any of that rubbish first. Oh, and then right. says the imperialist okay. rubbish thing. So, there's little, so you're a line off every yeah, now and then. Yeah, every now that, and then yeah. there's a line out where you think, oh, yeah, he didn't go straight to that. He's, there's a little line there's in there. Build. There's okay. a drop in, you know. So, um, But holding up quite but well. You, you, I've been mouthing at times. Yeah, I've been, so if you, if you were playing the drinking game, what, you'd be a few drinks in? But I'd be a few drinks be in, yeah. I think I would be shit faced, but. Um, yeah, but it, not too bad, not too <laughs> bad. The, this is where I probably get towards the bit now, because that, that, the, the bit we watched up to now is the, the scenes are so famous yes. and so well okay. known. They are the sketches, if you like, that, mm. that everyone knows so well. Um, from now on, it, it probably would start to dwindle a little bit, you know. Okay. But there's still some famous sketches to come up and still some very, very famous moments. All right. Well, on that note, let's continue yeah. then. Let's see how See how you go. Yeah. And see how I like it. All right. We'll continue Life of Brian. So just like that, Brian has become the Messiah. Yeah, out of nowhere. It's How quick bad. did that happen? Yeah. yeah, it's almost like Jeremy Corbyn. It's, um, yeah. it's uh, yeah, and I think that. It, it does sort of feed into that kind of how people can just blindly follow someone yeah. and just go along with anything because they're told by other people and that it can that momentum <laughs> no pun intended that momentum builds up and before you know it you know that, that that's that's the situation and you can just see that happening at the time but again still we're nothing to do with Jesus we're nothing to do with anyone again we yeah. come back to the offence where's the offence you know it's just it's 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 just ridiculous it's just playing into how ridiculous it must have been at the time yeah you know. The his uh, flip-flop comes off and they start to worship that <laughs> yeah. and they think it's a sign. Everything's a sign, and yeah, they, I just they, love they that. They will start taking their flip-flops yeah. off and... I just, again, the the thing with the... It's almost an inverse of the leper, ex-leper joke where you have the guy who's not spoken a vow of silence for 18 years yes. and then they think he's made he's, him speak again. He's cured his voice, <laughs> he's cured yeah. it. Um, it's, it's brilliant and uh, there's some lovely touches again a few lulls and again we're starting to see those little sort of pockets where it's, it's sort of, it gets down a little bit but they pick up again quickly and yeah. you know it's um, and we're now into the la- the final act where uh, it, it doesn't lose its momentum from now from what I remember I mean uh, there, there are a few bits bizarrely a few bits I had forgotten a few little moments where Brian's at the bottom of the stairs having a quiet moment. I totally forgot about that. That it completely slipped my mind. Probably because it's inconsequential. Yeah, and there's no really, jokes. Yeah, yeah, there's no jokes in it. It means nothing. Yeah, there's another bit that I recognise. The line, he's not the Messiah, he's, he's a, a very, very naughty, naughty boy. boy. Yes, yeah. that's a famous line, isn't it? And it's, uh, again, that's one of these lines, like, what have the Romans ever done for us that has kind of seeped out of the film? Yep. And it's, it's, it's transcended the film. You know, it's, it's gone beyond what, what, it, what it was. What are you thinking of the performances and stuff? Are you quite are you enjoying the? Yes, I I, uh, I I've been regularly asking you who's who, yeah. so I'm not I'm not too sure. But I do like I I very much enjoyed Michael Palin in the yeah. prison cell. Yeah, and then was that him as the emperor? Yeah, as Pilate. Well? Yeah, yes, that was very yeah. Good. So that whole biggest dick is scene is very yeah. famous. Yeah. And one of the gladiator, gladiators, no, one of the centurions who's uh, giggling is Chris Langham, who ended up in the thick of it. And then really? left under a controversy, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, so that's, the MP, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so uh, he, that's, that's him there, so he's, he's popped up there. Oh, wow. But yeah, it's, uh, that's a very famous scene. I, I even have, if I'd known, I would have brought around my biggest dickest corkscrew, which I have. <laughs> um, the, the actual time. corkscrew for the bottle is, right. is where you're expected to be. Um, so I have that. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, 
a very famous moment. And uh, but again, probably these days, you know, playing on someone's speech impediment yes. would no, probably not, not yeah. be acceptable now. Um, it's although having said that, Michael Palin went on in official Wanda to place someone with a with a uh, a stutter. Okay. And the thing is that that his father had a stutter. So, right. you know, he says, you know, he got it right, he knew exactly how his father spoke. And there's a lot of people saying, well, it was a bit offensive. But this is where, you know, I think if you break things down and, you, and don't be too quick to jump on it, is that in that film, the only character who picks up, picks up on and picks on him for his stutter is Kevin Klein, who plays a horrible, nasty bastard in right. it. Right. And he gets his comeuppance at the yeah. end. So... So what? Kevin Klein's the actual yeah. butt of the joke, yeah. really, or the, the so target. Then, so when people say things like, oh, it's terrible here, a stutter, I was like, well, what are you saying? That people with stutter shouldn't be in comedies. Mm. That people who have a stutter shouldn't be in films. You don't want them represented at all, then, because you're scared that we might offend them. So, yeah, it's actually smarter than that. Yes, you know, and it's better of course. Than that. You'd think but so, yeah. In this case, with you know him rolling his R's, I'm, Yeah, I'm no, not that sure. was just... It, that, yeah. In this case, the... Uh, speech impediment was the bottom yeah, of the joke, and it, it comes back not. again. It yeah. returns again um, for for another uh, run at it. So that's maybe something that perhaps would would be dropped now and yeah. and wouldn't be part of that. Uh, everything else, I think, is standing up pretty well. Yeah, I think it's still quite impressive, and um, I'm and I've been laughing again. I've been and the lovely little moment with Spike Milligan. Uh, where the well, the Pythons are very kind. They say that Spike Milligan turned up for a day's shooting did that little thing and stole the show. I don't think he right. does, no. but he's, he's a lovely little moment where he just walks away. Yes. Know, so, so, oh well, <laughs> you know, that's another one. Uh, there's a few very clever, I mean, I love the line where it says, you know, uh, you are the Messiah Lord, I should know I've followed a few. Yeah, and it's, that's that's so smart, yeah, you know, it's, it really, really hits home the, the culture of the time and what, what uh, because obviously are people who are desperate for a leader and desperate for someone to follow, you know, but that whole notion of individuality. and um, So it's, it's smarter as well than you think when you think about it. It's got a bit of philosophy behind it. Yeah, it's pretty clever, yeah. yeah. Where I grew up, we had the Spike Milligan Bridge. Have I ever told you about that? No, and that's The Spike Milligan fantastic. Bridge. I, I believe his mother lived there and he famously described the town as the world's only above-ground cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I went to high school. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, that's such a Milligan so, line. Yeah, I'm not sure he was a big fan. Uh, I never saw him around. <laughs> What's the town called? It's Woi Woi. Woi Woi. Yeah, the, the, the only the way out of Woi Woi is over the Spike Milligan Bridge, <laughs> which is I guess which is apt because I'm sure he would have wanted to leave yeah. as soon as he was there. That is fantastic. I love that. I'll, I'll quote that. <laughs> Uh, fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, so we're coming into the last twenty minutes now, and um, it all it all hots up from here. Yes, I presume it's going to end with him being crucified. Crucifixion has been mentioned a number yeah. of times, and obviously, spoiler: yeah. that's that's how Jesus's life ended as well. Yeah, or did it? I'm, I'm never sure what happened at the end of Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's a bit sketchy on I that, aren't they? They've never that, quite yeah. got to the, you know, they've never done the Bible too. Yeah. So back in the habit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, but what happened? Behind the scenes, yeah. <laughs> the Hollywood yeah. true story, the Bible. The Bible doesn't have any special features, you know, no, no making of documentary yeah, or anything yeah. like that. You know. uh, director's uh, commentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a Casting shame. was a nightmare. It's a shame, yeah. So, yes, um, he's just been, in John Cleese's words, nicked yeah, yeah. by the Romans again because the last half hour he's sort of been on the run from them. 
uh, and during that time he became the Messiah. Yes. As one does. So he's been recaptured by the recaptured, Romans. Recaptured, and then I assume if we're down to the last 20 minutes, this is going to be... Yeah, all, all is not well yeah. for Brian. It's not yeah. looking good, is it? <laughs> it's all basically in the space of 48 hours. He's... One thing, I bet you didn't expect a space battle. No, I didn't. <laughs> and funnily enough, that had left my mind already. That was absurd, yeah. And obviously... Yeah, that's obviously, that I think, the Pythons, maybe Terry Gilliam's yeah, input there. You, you know, wanted... do something weird yeah, and bizarre. I need a, I need a thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, he sort of fell off a roof yeah. and then got caught by a spaceship with yeah. two aliens in the middle of some sort of space fight uh, and then yeah, crash. Yeah, he becomes the first man in space and then yeah. crash lands right back yeah. where yes. <laughs> I love that that chase just picks up again. Yeah, it's just yeah that's, that's the sort of, that's the bit that I appreciate and the, that's my kind of humour is something completely absurd happens but nobody yeah. mentions it. Yes, yeah, and you just move on. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Right, so we'll get into the last bit. Okay, yeah, so we should finish it off. Um, there is... I mean, there's not, there's no sort of trial, is there? He just gets sentenced to crucifixion, and then his uh, followers will follow him up the hill or whatever. Only one way to find out. Oh, that's that's my guess. All right, let's finish it off. Fast! Where is Brian Nazareth? Bastard! I have an order for his release. You stupid bastard! Uh, I'm Brian Nazareth. What? Yeah, I, I'm Brian Nazareth. Take him down. Uh, so Brian, Brian got crucified, oh, but, but he went you, down singing. The only way you can finish off is with a good old crucifixion song and yeah, dance number. I mean, what, what else could you do? Always look in the bright side of life. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny how they still managed to get an upbeat ending out of yeah. a crucifixion. <laughs> I Bizarre. remember, um, I don't know if I was old enough to remember it at the time, or I must have seen it since, but I think it was a, it was a heavyweight boxing match and it was Mike Tyson against... Um, some like South African or something, and he was he was one hundred percent going to lose, and his ring walk was to always look on the bright <laughs> side of that. And I think he got knocked out in the first round, and he was obviously just a, a financial investment. And probably on his rich part, for life. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's been used. I mean, Madness used that as the song for the end of the concerts now. They don't sing it as really? played as people okay. are leaving all their gigs. They use that. It's uh, such a, it's almost as used as the likes of We Will Rock You now in terms yeah. of events and stuff. And it's uh, yeah. one of the most popular requested songs at funerals. Okay. Yeah, it's in the top that's five nice. of requested yeah. songs at funerals. So, uh, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a nice thing. I suppose that's a nice touch. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I, I think the last 20 minutes. Um, it just about sustained it. I know I said all the way through that it sustains it to the end. The bit about the linguistic stuff I felt quite uncomfortable with, actually. Yeah, did I, I did yeah, feel it that. It was a bit too strong. Uh, it went on a bit too much um, and felt a bit guilty. I probably laughed at that way back in the day when I mm. first watched it, but now you kind of think, mm, yeah. yeah, that's just mocking for the sake of mocking. Yeah, but I um, mean, that this was, what, late 70s, and, and that, yeah. that was... Still oh, okay yeah, in the... Half of the course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in the 90s... There was one nice little touch. The the two characters, the the two ones that one had the stutter and one the the mad character that Terry Gilliam yes. played. Nice little touch. But it turned out they didn't have those at all. Yes. It was all an act. They just turned yeah. and start telling a story. And I quite liked that because it kind of uh, um, it always let those off the hook with that. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know exactly. Because and, and it was tough watching those two before yeah. you knew that bit. The, exactly, especially the Eric Idle's um, uh, stammer. Stammer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's. 
Um, but, so that's the only bit that I thought was a bit of a lull, and bec- only because it didn't doesn't really work anymore. It doesn't really mm. get the, mm-hmm. the, the the laughs that it probably did back then. I think the rest of it stands up pretty well. What did you think? I mean, looking at the whole thing as a piece, what's your thoughts now that you've seen the whole the whole film? Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think if you remove that bit where it's just making fun of speech impediments and the like, mm-hmm. then then it's all round stands up. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah. mean. I think I mean obviously I'm I'm watching it within a sort of t- nostalgia tinted specs, you know. So yes. therefore I'm looking at it from that that viewpoint as well. Surprised at how much I still laughed at it. I said that earlier. Uh, overall, I think I'm still laughing right to the end. And you know the little touches that the I'm Brian, I'm Brian. It's all that's the Spartacus mm-hmm. reference, mm-hmm. isn't mm-hmm. it? You know. So there's nice nice touches there. That's another bit that's quite famous. I'm Brian, and so is my wife. That's kind yeah. of well quoted. So yeah, for you, you probably now can put all the quotes in place. So when people say can, something, yeah. you can now piece it all together and be able yeah. to say, yeah, that's where that comes from, that, that works there. Yeah, it was long overdue, but I got, I've yeah. got there eventually. Yeah, finally watched Life of Brian. Yeah. That's amazing. I can't believe you, you've never <laughs> seen it. It was lovely to watch again. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed enjoyed the whole thing. It uh, always leaves you with a smile on your face. Yeah. Even though the main character gets crucified. <laughs> and teasing you with these continuous possibilities that he might get rescued yeah. and constantly fails. Yeah, that I, I do like that. I did like that bit, how he kept being recognised as having some sort of purpose of his own, but he never did. Yes. And like the, so, yeah. so that it was his idea, so obviously I guess the atonement for people's sins or whatever, it was yeah. his idea to be crucified, but he just wanted to be rescued and then yeah. like his his love interest comes and is like, Reg told me what you're doing. I think it sounds, it's so, it's so admirable. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I just want to be rescued. Yeah, just turning everything on his back and uh, yeah, ultimately, you know, Judith who had this sort of feeling of, you know, she she saw what he was trying to do, tried to be individual, but at the end of the day, she just goes with the crowd again. Yeah. You know, she just falls right back into place yeah. and does what she's told. And how often do we all do that? You know, yeah. so you know, you, you think about elections, and everyone's talking this week about the European elections, and everyone's talking about tactical votes. And yeah, we got to vote the Dems, Greens. I bet you, fifty percent of those people walked in that booth and just ticked Labour or Conservative the sure. way they always do sure. because people just fall in line again. Yeah, and they think when they get to that point, they think, oh, it'll be a wasted vote. I'll just mm. do Labour. You know, mm. um, so I think so. It does. It has. A lot of different messages. It has a political message. It has a moral message, um, philosophical. It actually works on a number of different levels. And and as a satire of religion, quite a powerful film, I think. And yeah, quite, quite works quite well. Well, yeah, and <laughs> it maybe sounds um, silly to say about such a satirical film, but but you can certainly see that there's sort of truth to it, and how then that sort of character would be mythologised and yeah. then worshipped after his death. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, who's to say that uh, um, that, that isn't how it happened and how it played out? There's someone, I, Jesus accidentally just fell into this nonsense, uh, ended up getting crucified, and then people say, yeah, and this is what he did, yeah. even though he didn't. You know? I, would, I would hope that there were as many... Um, Comical bits going on yeah. in the lead up to Jesus' <laughs> crucifixion, <laughs> and I, I quite like the the over sentimental soldier played by Michael Palin, who really doesn't like crucifixion oh, yeah. or violence, and he's actually quite upset at the end when he sees them all going on. And but he's also doing off. the sort of admin host, like just uh, <laughs> yeah. pick up your cross up to yeah. the left, and then he's, he's HR, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I like that. So there's lots of nice little grace notes like that throughout it. Yeah, great stuff. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Thanks for thanks oh, for having no me. No worries. Yeah. It was good. Well, 
I'm, I'm happy to have, have brought it back into your life. Yes. And, and I'm pleased that all the, that nostalgia is still in there. Definitely. And, and on, on an anniversary year as well. I f- was first introduced to Life of Brian because I lived in the north of Scotland when I was in school. And so I didn't get a chance to see the movies. And it was a 15 anyway. So you, I, couldn't, I wouldn't get in to see it. Um, but someone in my school acquired an audio cassette of it, a recording of it. Okay. So the first time I heard, I, I encountered it was through audio. So when I finally saw it on video um, and I was able to piece, put the pictures to the audio. Wow. So that's why the audio is so powerful with me and I suppose that's why I remember so many lines from it because I just used to listen to it over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then later when you... What an amazing you, experience. Uh, it was as if I was blind and then I could see. Yeah. <laughs> so when I finally saw the film, it, it, you know, that was it. Wow, that's just fantastic, putting, putting the images to it now. Um, so yeah, lovely to see you again, and uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that. That was good. That's fantastic. And what a message! Always looking the bright side of life. Yeah. Well, I think we can leave it at that. Yeah. What better? What better <laughs> line is there to, to yeah. go out on? Well, maybe next time we'll dip into your love of 007. Yes. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. Until then, thanks, Chaz. Thank you, Miles. There you go, how was that? It was pretty good, wasn't it? I told you. I enjoyed that film and I very much enjoyed my time with Charlie. Thanks so much, Charlie. Absolutely nailed it. I'll get you back soon for a bit of 007, I promise. And hey guys, thanks so much for listening. You absolute legends. I love you. I love all of you. As always, please spread the word. Share the love. Get other people involved. And if you haven't already, for God's sake, subscribe. Subscribe and give me five stars and write a glowing review. Or just keep listening to the other episodes. It's up to you. I'm easy. Speaking of which, I've got a new one coming for you next week. It'll be one of my uh, regular guests. But which one? You'll have to wait and see. Alrighty, keep on keeping on. Look after yourselves. See yous.